World Religions, Part 6, The History of Hinduism, Paganism at its Best. You'll have to admit Hinduism is a colorful yet very pagan religion, from blue goddesses to pink elephants. There are, are more gods than people can count. I interviewed a friend of mine who was a missionary in Nepal and witnessed the absurdity of Hinduism firsthand, and you'll hear that interview um, in this podcast. Um, she was a missionary in Nepal, and the encounter, and uh, as, as she also had an encounter with a demonic spirit. So, what do Hindus believe? Well, let's dig in. Well, Hinduism they invented karma and reincarnation, and they claim to be the oldest religion, but they're not. Um, it was started by the people of the Indus River in India. And at that time, a Hindu was anyone who wasn't Muslim or Turk. Um, and I want you to, regarding the oldest religion, the oldest religion is paganism in general. Um, and you need to go back to, this is part, part six of my world religion series. You got to go back to part one and look at the history of pagan religions. And, uh, and also take a look at my uh, Bible study on Genesis chapter 11, um, which is the Tower of Babel. And so that's kind of where, when people and God just dispersed the people all over the world. Um, uh, click on over to my blog. The link is in the show notes. So you can dig deeper into all of these topics and all the other studies that I've done. So there are over 330 million gods in Hinduism. You pick the God you want to commune with. However, there are some main gods. Um, first, we have Brahman. He is the creator god, and he's depicted as the Om symbol. That's the one that kind of looks like uh, the number 30 um, that you'll see. You see that everywhere, and people really don't know what that means. It's a pretty symbol, but no, no, you know, in reality, normal people don't know what that is. I, I did not know what that was until I did this article. Then we have Shiva or Shiva the destroyer. She's depicted as the green or blue woman with multiple arms. Then we have Vishnu, the protector who bestows karma. And he's the god of time and preservation. He's depicted as a blue man also with many arms. Then we have Ganesha depicted as the elephant, the god of new beginnings, wisdom, and luck. He's also the remover of obstacles. And then again, if you click on over my blog, I have a link to um, a list in um, Wikipedia for a whole slew more of the main gods, quote unquote, main gods. Now, all the gods are extensions of the one world soul. Hinduism is non-dogmatic. In other words, there are no rules. Here are some Hinduism beliefs. Dharma is your path of truth, authenticity, and virtue is the cosmic social order. Cows are sacred. That's kind of the start of vegetarianism. All souls are immortal and interconnected. Avatars are an emanation of Hindu gods. Okay, those are, an, uh, an avatar would be, you know, like a statue or depiction of, of uh, a Hindu god. Hindus think that Jesus is the reincarnation of Krishna. Jesus is not an avatar. 
He is fully God who came down to earth to be fully man. He was never reincarnated, but he was resurrected. And if you're not sure about that, again, click on over my blog and click on the link to learn about the resurrection. Karma. Your good and bad deeds determine your transmigration or reincarnation. If you're good, then you come back as another human or an animal higher up in the caste ladder than a dog. If you're bad, you come back in your next life as a dog or something lesser. And karma. Some people quote Jesus and the golden rule as karma. Basically, you control your own salvation. Moreover, it doesn't allow for forgiveness. Weeping and sowing happens in your lifetime. It's direct cause and effect. The Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians 6, starting in verse 7, Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant or weep what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So what's involved in Hindu worship? Well, um, much repetitive movement to music, repeating a phrase over and over until it becomes mindless, like, um, um, repetitive shouting, um, and then a sudden ceasing of all activity, a feeling of peacefulness. And it's all to reach the altered state of consciousness. And I've talked about this before in my um, my past uh, articles, going back to to uh, Druism, which is number three in there, you know, and what their practices do to reach that altered state of consciousness. Hindus also use psychotropic drugs or how. Um, hallucinogenics. And I watched the movie that depicted a Hindu ritual. There was some psychedelic drug on a sugar cube. Taking it would supposedly make you one with the destroyer goddess Shiva and allow her to control you and your life. Now, the only thing the use of psychedelics does is open you up to demonic possession. You're not letting some goddess take over your life. You're letting a demon take over your life. Today, there is an actual line of psychotherapy that uses psychedelics. Beware, all you're doing is opening yourself to demon possession. And um, I found it really <laughs> funny. It's, it's funny. It's, it's why very colorful elephants and there is one of their gods. And so now I want you to listen to the, the interview with my friend, Mary Elliott, who's a former missionary to, the, to Nepal, as she shares her firsthand knowledge of Hinduism. Okay, greetings, everyone, and welcome to the first of several uh, video interviews with uh, people who have experienced uh, paganism um, in real life. And it's part of my series on world religions, the rise of paganism and demon worship. Many people today follow what's called a synchronistic religion, which is 
their own mixture of uh, taking aspects of one belief and combining it with characteristics of other religions. It's whatever works for them. Given that, I'm taking a deep dive into several world religions to uncover the truth of exactly what it is they believe. What are their rites, their rituals, and how it's all against what our creator God meant for us. And today we're looking at Hinduism. And my guest is Mary Elliott. Now, I met um, Mary when um, uh, she and her husband spoke at a small, at my small group in, uh, about their experience as missionaries in Nepal. Hi, Mary. Thanks for joining me. Okay, um, let's, I uh, want to uh, open in a prayer. Merciful Father, thank you for allowing us to help spread the good news of Jesus' true salvation all over the world. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Holy Spirit, empower us as we bring glory to your name. And in the words of our Savior, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Amen. So, okay, so start. How did you become a missionary in Nepal? I know it's a long story, but (laughs) yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, The church we were attending had um, sister churches in Kathmandu, Nepal, two of them, and I went on a short-term trip, uh, returned a second time, and at that point is when God called me to Nepal, and then came home and prayed through until he called Jeff to Nepal as well, so yeah. Awesome. Okay, so in Nepal, they practice Hinduism. So explain a little bit of the background of Hinduism and what they believe and, and, and you know, and then tell yeah. us about that. Boy, Hinduism, uh, it, if you asked 10 Hindus, what do they believe and what do they um, put their trust in or anything, you will get 10 different answers. Um, Hinduism, there are 330 million gods to Hindus. So there are some main ones, Ganesh and Shiva. And so those are the main, there are three uh, main gods. And they um, then, if they have a great day, they they got a new job, they came into some money. If there was something different in their pattern that day, there might be a rock that they stepped over that um, they didn't normally step over. And now that becomes a God to them. So they will worship this God. When you're walking around in Kathmandu, you can see rocks that have been left in the middle of the pavement of the road. And they have the uh, powder from the flowers. You'll see the red here. Yes. They They have worshiped that stone again, and they will continue that. So 330 million gods, there's probably more because they had a great day and they walked this way around the tree instead of that way around the tree or inanimate objects. We give directions in Kathmandu by idols. Um, If you want to go down to this restaurant, you go down here past that, you know, that big idol and then it has the bell and then you go left. And so there are so many idols both in some sort of figure and also just rocks and trees and yeah so it is dark wow um well um here in phoenix and you you live here now you're back here in phoenix 
Um, every year, um, those of Mexican heritage celebrate the Day of the Dead or the Dia de los Muertos. So how is that similar to the Hindu beliefs of the dead? Boy, they believe that, um, it, so when a person dies, their, their ultimate desire is to get the person's feet to touch the river that will become part of the Ganges River. That is a holy river. Um, they are doing that so that as the, the person is, um, the soul, I guess, is released from the body, they are trying to make a good impression for the next reincarnation. So they must touch the feet to the river. They give them money to take to the afterlife so that they have money to start their next reincarnation. Um, they cremate um, and it is open cremation. And there is an entire ceremony about the death so that the person's next reincarnation is, they're trying to get them to be in a better place. They believe that the dogs are the ones that usher them into reincarnation. And so um, street dogs are everywhere. Street dogs are, they're funny. Street dogs get rocks thrown at them, except for one day a year when they are worshipped. And that is to make sure that they do good things to the dogs. So when they usher them into reincarnation, the um, the dogs will be happy with them. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. No, um, but do they also um, do they do also do ancestor worship? Uh, there some are sort? factions. Yes, there are factions of Hinduism, and again, it's so different. That would be more, the Hindus more in the rural areas um, that they will do some of the uh, ancestor worship. Um, it and it's interesting in Nepal. The, the farther or the more rural you are, the more blended Hinduism comes into bond animism, uh, Buddhism, uh, whatever, whatever it has been, their culture comes in. And so the more rural Hindus are more into the ancestor worship. Okay. You, you don't see it as much in Kathmandu, except for the older people who have been are indigenous to the valley. The younger Hindus are not as much into the ancestor worship. Okay. Um, now, I remember you said that uh, it was illegal to openly, to proselytize or openly preach Christianity there. Um, so how did you get around that? Friendship, developing relationships. We... Um, many times like when we were there we had a language school we were teaching English so one student that always comes to mind um, she had moved to the city to come and help take care of a young girl who was adopted by a man in his 70s um, and she came in without an, any formal education and so as we met every day, we would, we, I mean, I had to teach her how to hold a pencil. She had done third grade up through third grade, but she was, had, it had been, she was in her mid to late forties. So oh, she wow. had forgotten completely. And so we started with ABCs and wow. we just developed this great relationship. 
to the point where she invited us over to their house at Christmas time. And they both, well, the man was Hindu. She was, uh, I mean, the man was Buddhist. She was Hindu, but they decorated with a Christmas tree. And they thought that they were, you know, just sharing Christmas with us, which was wonderful. But uh -huh. it was all because of the relationship. You can't walk out and say, hey, I'm a Christian and so should you turn or burn. You're going to hell. It's this is this is how this happened. Um, both our fathers died while we lived overseas. Mm. And um, the people were watching to see how did we respond to our father's passing and how was that different from when their father passed and there were questions then from from those people who we had the relationships with mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i remember you told a story about an, an experience with some evil spirits in the building you were in can you retell yeah. that because that one was interesting it was um, a very interesting. We lived in a in a two story house, but our house, our apartment was on the ground floor. The landlord's apartment was on the top floor, and the woman of the house, who did not live there all the time, she lived in the UK as well. She had what we call a puja room, which is a wor a room to go and do their worship. And then when you see somebody with the teak on their forehead, they've done their worship. So the woman was out of country and we took our dog to the roof every day for exercise because it was a big flat roof and we could run our dog around. And as I turned the corner to go up to the top floor where the door to the roof was here and her puja room was here, as I started going up the stairs, there was a sound, a banging kind of sound, and there was nothing, no one in the house. Me and the dog, and the dog was down. He had to wait until I got to the door before he could come upstairs. I was petrified until, and I couldn't, I couldn't speak. All I could say was the word Jesus. And I walked then, it was like, I knew then that God was with me. And I knew it before, but it, I was so taken aback by that sound when there's nothing in there, no one in there, except for her idols and her mm -hmm. stuff that she would do as part of her ritual. All I could say was the name of Jesus. And then I felt enough power that I could walk out and I knew I was covered. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it was it was terrifying to be in the middle as an as a Westerner to be in the middle uh -huh. of that spiritual kind of stuff going on, which we American Christians kind of think eh, that doesn't happen anymore. That's just in the Bible. It happens. It's real. real. Yes, yes. And, and that's it. Um, so um, tell um, uh, so tell me about your 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 current ministry. She is safe, and you're still oh. working um, out in Nepal. Oh yes, I love working with She is Safe. I am the country director for She is Safe Nepal, and I work alongside Nepali Christians 
who have organizations reaching out to women and girls who have been trafficked. And uh, most of them sex trafficked, sometimes it's labor trafficking, child marriage, forced labor. If you look up the definition of modern slavery, all of the words that they come up with are occurring in Nepal. So our ministry partners are working in the rural areas to bring an end to trafficking. Prevention is huge for us. Um, if we can prevent a young girl from being trafficked, we, we're great. If we can get the gospel message into that family's life, that's where the true transformation is going to happen. So that's why our focus is working alongside Christians. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we are looking to expand. We're looking for more partners to expand the work with because um, I saw a stat the other day, 54 women and girls are trafficked every day out of Nepal into India. And so the village that we've been working in 10 years ago, there were no girls over the age of 11. None. They had all been sold by their families or the families tricked into sending their daughters to go what they thought was earning income for the family. And they, the girls were lost. They're gone. Sometimes they return, but who wants to marry a girl who's been trapped at age 11 onwards, seven, eight years, if they're still alive, they're not welcome back in their village. So it's, I mean, it is, it's the heart of darkness when you think mm -hmm. of somebody who would take an 11 year old little girl and force her into that. Um, sadly, in India, the men think if they have AIDS, that a young Nepali virgin will cure them of AIDS. So you can see the need for that 54 young girls women young women to go every day wow yeah wow that's 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 terrible that's terrible it so is. how does it's, how does how does she is safe um uh like give an example of a story of 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 because uh, of, i see the pictures that you've posted on yep. facebook and on, yeah. uh, of, of some of the girls so if you can tell one of the stories i would love to the i was just there in um may this year and I, as we were going up to meet our new school teacher, who is a believer, which is an amazing answer to prayer, there was a woman that came up to us, and I'm walking with our ministry partner, Nepali man, and this woman came running up and said, I know you, and he said, okay, and he's, she said, in 2017, you were here, and you gave goats to me so she received and that's our program in this village she received two female goats the day she received her goats one of those goats gave birth to triplets oh wow so she's already more than doubled her herd and so this is 2017 and now this just this year i said well how many goats have you have you you know how many offspring have you had and she said well i've had 22 total and so she has just been 
maximizing these two goats that we gave her. And I said, so what have you done with the money? How has this impacted your family? She said, I have been able to keep my, now she has five kids. I've been able to keep my children in school. She has two daughters. She still has her daughters living in her house. She said, I can, I can afford to send them to school. In Nepal, the culture is if there's a choice, if somebody, if they have to choose between educating their son or educating their daughter, they will always educate their son. He is the one that takes care of them as they grow older. So this woman said, I've been able to educate my family. I have needed medical care. She had a somewhat newer baby in her arms. So I'm guessing it was for the midwife. And she said, and one of my children needed medical care. And this is where she started beaming. I am able to buy food when my family needs it. They can't grow rice at that elevation. They grow corn. Most of the corn they grind and they make an alcohol out of. That's just the culture up there. They will make a corn mash, but rice is their staple. So with these goats, when she sells a goat, she's able to provide for her family. Oh, my son broke his arm. Let me sell a goat and I can take care of him. Mm -hmm. So that's just a brief example of how we work goats, vocational training, um, education, the Christian teacher that we have up there, we've been supporting the school for six years and we've been praying for six years for a Christian teacher. April, God answered that prayer and brought us a Christian teacher who is up there and she has already, there's one woman in her seventies who has accepted Christ. She's making a difference in that village. She sent me a text the other day um, with pictures of her in her room and she has a little keyboard and she had probably 10 or 12 school age children in her room singing, Jesus loves me. It's the first time they've ever heard the word Jesus and she's there and there it's in Nepali, of course, but they're singing, Jesus loves me. Wow. Just, oh, wow. It's just wow. their smiles, their joy, their, and of course, I told her, I'm praying that they come to know him as their Lord and Savior. Right now, they know his name. Name, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a, you know, in, and um, some, a lot of the ministries that I follow, they, they, say that uh, the, 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 the Christian church in Nepal is, quickly growing uh and um and but there's also persecution there too because mm-hmm. there's still you know the government and their families and you know as soon as somebody says i've become a christian then then it you know it's trouble for them because they, yes. they um uh they can lose their jobs they can be kicked out of their homes you know yes. so um and um getting you know having the bible in their own language is so important for new christians mm-hmm. and it's something that we here in america we take for granted you know and we don't, we don't study the bible and that's been one that's been one of the problems here and which is why people are are you know trying all different types of things because they're seeking it everywhere but jesus because jesus yeah is the answer you know and and um it's an it's it's unfortunate so um 
so what is, um, I will share your website, uh, a link to the, her website will be Wonderful. in the, um, in the video description, um, and in the show notes for the podcast. So, right. um, I thank you, Mary, for, for, yeah. for sharing this and, um, right. Uh, and I just uh, pray that your ministry will just um, just expand and, and keep going and, um, uh, you know, and um, just uh, just, you know, support, support it. OK, one, oh, one other thing that um, uh, I haven't seen the movie, but the, the movie Sound of Freedom. Uh, yeah. Did you did you watch did, Have you seen it? I have seen it. Yes. 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 So so um, um, how. um uh, I guess I guess it's pretty accurate, but you know, some people were were saying like, "Oh no, it doesn't happen." But you 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 know, you are an example of yeah. saying, "Yes, it's happening. It happens. It happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah, and it happens more than you think." Yeah, um, sadly, yeah, so what, it happens. It happens more than we think and want to admit. One um, thing that is interesting is they, which is is fine because it brings that awareness they they in the movie they lean in towards america is the worst trafficking country in the world it is increasing it is increasing but the numbers don't compare to the other countries i mean you any of the countries that we work in but there's so much trafficking going on that people don't even know about you know that even when we lived in nepal I knew there was trafficking. I didn't know it was to this degree. Wow. And what other yeah. countries does she safe work in? We are in Indonesia, Myanmar, India, Nepal. I have to go around the map. The Middle <laughs> East and South Sudan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, I know uh, uh, that's a big problem in Afghanistan now since yeah. the, yeah. Um, and um, it's, it's it's just so sad to hear the to to hear the stories. It's, it's oh. it really it really is. It's it's in, the, it's incredible. Yeah. The you know, treatment of women is awful. Yeah, and how desperate does a you know parent have to be to sell their daughter you know to yeah. um in you know in marriage or you know for work or slavery is what it is you know so yes. um, it's yeah, yeah. Um, and that's the thing it's it just became so much of the culture especially in the in the northern sections of Nepal it became so much of the culture that you sell your daughter because if you don't sell your daughter when you have to go and marry your daughter off you have to pay a dowry and she goes and lives with a boy's family so why go to that expense when you can earn money by selling your daughter wow. that's the that's where their mind is so wow yeah. And then there are wow. parents who are naive and were tricked into sending their daughters to mm -hmm. go get a job mm -hmm. and their their girl doesn't even know what the job is until she has her first client. Wow. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. So I'll give you the last the last word. Oh, well, I so appreciate this time, Giselle. And it's just it's been great to be able to share. Just a little snippet. I mean, you could spend days studying Hinduism, months, years, and you wouldn't even scratch the surface because it's such a changing religion for each person. Mm -hmm. um, they're, uh, you know, they always have the main ones, but 
So I appreciate that. And I appreciate the chance to share about She is Safe. I am so passionate about Nepal and the work there. And just, I appreciate She is Safe because the focus is we have to work with Christians. We work alongside Christians who are the ones facing persecution to go and do this work. But we have invitation by some of the local leadership in the rural areas to come in and do this work. They know that the agency we work with are Christians. They said, it is so needed in our community. We're okay. Please come in and we want more. Oh, praise God. Praise God yeah. on that. Yeah. Praise God Huge that. answer to prayer yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. That is fantastic. Yeah. So, so everybody, we're going to keep, she is safe in our prayers and in all yeah. the countries they participate in and and um you can follow them on social media i'll share those links in the video chat so thank you mary so much yeah. and i'm gonna have you again and to talk about the buddhism in bhutan because you spent how many years in bhutan we were there for four years four years that's a good enough time to get yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could tell us the difference between Hinduism and Buddhism, and then the Buddhism of Bhutan is different from. And uh, I will also be interviewing um, uh, a, a pastor, a friend of mine who was a missionary for 20 years in Taiwan. So um, that will be coming up in October, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So he's going to talk about Buddhism and Taoism and what the Chinese believe which is a whole other thing there. That's and so, thing, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So Mary, thank you so much. And um, we will talk soon. We got to have okay. lunch again. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. I hope as you, you hear these interviews that you start to realize that any type of pagan worship is demon worship. And did you know that yoga is a form of Hindu or pagan worship? Yoga is a Hindu discipline meeting union, becoming one with the Hindu Brahman. You reach an altered state of consciousness. The serpent power supposedly in everyone and released in the cobra position, or otherwise known as cobra power. When you practice yoga, you bow down to the god of the serpent, Kundalini. Furthermore, when you're in the meditative position, chanting, Aum, you're emptying your mind and allowing their demonic god, Brahman, in. And if you want to click on over to my blog, and again, the link is in the show notes, um, there's a video that explains why even Christian yoga is still worshiping the Hindu gods. Um, Christian meditation. Now, Christians and Jews, for that matter, are called to meditate on the word of God. We're told in the book of Joshua, Joshua 1.8, study this book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. In other words, just don't read the Bible, study the Bible. It's the word of God. As Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture 
is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And over in my blog, I have a video from uh, Voice of the Martyrs. And it's, it's a short video, you can, you, but you need to watch it so you really understand um, how these, um, uh, the Hindu religion works. And um, it's a story of a ne- Nepalese, some, a little boy from Nepal, who discovered that being a Hindu guru was not a good thing. So again, in the show notes, there's a link to my blog. Click on it and check out the video um, uh, and it's, uh, of Sejun from Nepal. Um, so Hindus persecute Christians in India. The current president of India does not believe in religious freedom. That's something we Americans take for granted. He would like to see India be a hundred percent be a hundred percent Hindu nation. He's got Muslims in there too, so um, and some Buddhists. He's got a little. I mean, India is huge. Christian churches are forced to close, and pastors are in prison. Yet, prison does not deter them from their discipleship mission and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, check out this story. This is also from Voice of the Martyrs. Hindu radicals disrupted a worship service on February 6, twenty twenty-two, accusing Pastor Ramesh Verma of breaking anti-conversion laws. Police arrested Ramesh and placed him in jail. For the first 15 days, Ramesh asked God why he allowed this to happen. But when his son brought him a Bible and other prisoners became interested in what he had to say, Ramesh's perspective changed. He began to minister to his fellow prisoners and lead them to Christ. He and his younger son distributed 60 New Testaments in the prison. After three months in jail, Ramesh was released on bail, but the church has been forcibly closed and his evangelism efforts are restricted while the case is pending. The family has to face considerable hard, has faced considerable hardship from the arrest and detention, including job loss and rejection by family members. Nevertheless, Ramesh continues to visit and encourage church members while he awaits a verdict. I mean, it just amazes me how imprisoned Christians just take, you know, the the call that, that Jesus gave us in the Great Commission to just spread the good news and just amaze, amazes him. So Buddhism is an offshoot of Hinduism. And we'll tackle that pagan religion next time. And um, I have another video in my blog compares Hinduism to Buddhism. And it goes into a lot more detail uh, as to what exactly they believe. And it, it just, um, even though this isn't the, who, the person doing this isn't particularly Christian, but it's still, it's, a, it's, a, it's an educational video to show us that both religions are pure paganism. And we know that Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. (sighs) Do you know Jesus? 
If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit, feel his shalom, a peace that surpasses all understanding and get a one-way nonstop ticket to heaven after you die or that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which can happen at any moment. What you have to do is invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and the confident hope of eternal life. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, How to Know Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Are you looking for a Christmas gift for the person who has everything? Yeah, the guy or gal who's hard to please. Well, a book makes a great gift, especially a Christian book from a Christian bookstore. We have all types of books to choose from, nonfiction and fiction, all with a solid Christian message from well-respected Christian book distributors. Check it out. The link is in the show notes. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem. So I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please let me know if it helped you. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.